This is quickly heading toward what could be a doomsday scenario for labor-intensive farming. Fruit, tree fruits, vegetables here in Washington State. We're talking about a situation right now that could potentially leave half of crops in the field to rot. At a time when farmers are already under so much pressure, the food system has been turned upside down by what's happening with COVID, and now this. And no, it's not a supply chain issue. This is not the same thing that's been happening, say, in the, the milk markets or with you know, veggies in Florida being dumped or, or onions in Idaho. This is completely driven by politics and by activism and virtue signaling do-good uh, administration folks here in our fine state of Washington. Welcome to The Farming Show. Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI News Talk 790. Glad to have you with us on this Saturday morning. And very important uh, to get you informed about what's going on right now, to get you up to speed on the threat to our food supply at the hands of, well, first it was activists, but now it is our own state government that is threatening our access to locally and regionally grown food. Honestly, this is a situation, and we'll, it, we'll explain this out through the show. This is a situation where it may not be too surprising if you are eating Chinese apples next year, not Washington apples. The state is famous for its apples. Number one farming crop product whatever you want to say seriously apples could be kicked in the shorts by this and we don't even want to think right now about how many farms and particularly smaller farms particularly family farms could get knocked entirely out of business by what's happening right now at the hands of our Washington state government. Okay, so how did this start? Well, we've been hearing concerns from activists, farm worker organizers, folks who are interested, by the way, this is the backstory to it all, they're interested in growing their unions. Why are they interested in growing the unions? Other than, well, that's what union people do, is because more people in the union means more money for the union. So this all starts there. Unions make their money by making a contract with, well, in this case, at a farm. That's what they want. They want to unionize farm workers. And they want to be able to take 3% of workers' paychecks at a given farm with a contract. So it's money in their pockets. Okay. That's something you can legitimately do in this country. There are many legitimate unions out there. This isn't just a total anti-union ref on my part, FYI. But these particular unions, these farm worker unions who are doing, this is a different story here because they're willing and they've proven this over the last many years to lie, to deceive, to, to cause dissent, to use vulnerable farm workers themselves as political pawns 
in their game to try to make more money and further their heady political goals, which if you read them are incredibly out there. We're talking about community to community development and the um, what they call a farm worker union that they spawn, Familias Unidas por la Justicia. Um, they are known as the first farm worker union organized in many, many years. Um, in the situation with Sakuma Brothers Farms, which we have talked about multiple times over the years on this program down in Skagit County, but they want to grow. They know they need to grow. Uh, and in fact, they're, I think it's his president. Is he president? Yeah, Ramon Torres. He's the president of FUJ, Familias Unidas por la Justicia. He has said in, in news coverage and stuff online, he said he, he wants this to become a full-time job for him. So far, it's only been part-time, but he doesn't really want to be a farm worker anymore. He wants to be a union organizer. So he obviously, he wants this union to get more money from workers' paychecks so he can do that and, and not work, whatever. Again, you could do that legitimately, but we've been following this group for a long time. They don't like to behave legitimately. They like to not tell the truth. And they like to manipulate people. And they like to demonize farming in, on their path towards, they believe, uh, getting more money. Okay, so have I given enough backdrop on this? <laughs> These folks in particular um, view the H-2A guest worker program, which allows for a stable legal workforce for farms in the United States uh, in the face of worker shortages, which these groups deny. Seriously, they, they don't believe there's a worker shortage, even though every other authority out there on the issue says absolutely there is. They claim, no, there's no farm worker shortage. That may be a different discussion for a different day to get into all of these details. Anyway, they want to block the H-2A guest worker program because they feel, well, that's providing workers, and they think, they believe, they feel that a shortage of workers will allow them to bring farming to its knees and force them and farms into union contracts. That, that's the underlying principle here. Now, they will tell you on the surface that this is about protecting farm workers, and that's what they're doing right now. But there are a lot of holes in that argument when you start digging deeper. What is, is this really about protecting farm workers? When you start looking closer, you realize that the protections that they are asking for aren't actually reasonable and won't actually probably do anything to truly protect people. And, and in this case, it's dealing with COVID-19. So the farm workers, ah, oh, how can we use the COVID-19 situation to try to stop this program that we don't like? Well, <laughs> they are claiming that the housing for temporary farm workers, particularly guest workers, is not safe enough. doesn't give them enough room because they need to socially distance. Okay. To the general public, that sounds like, oh, hey, well, yeah, you know, even though I, I really got to wonder how many people in their own homes or anywhere else 
are making sure that they're keeping that distance from everybody else. But regardless, that's what the, the, these activists are pushing for. Is this a legitimate request? Well, interestingly, the, the pressure was only on guest workers. Why would they only be interested in this issue for guest workers? There are a lot of other workers out there. So already signs of some hypocrisy here. There's also word that even their own union members aren't necessarily subject to these same protections that they're demanding that farmers provide. I know I get carried away on the, the backstory, but th this, is, this is everything that leads up to what's going on. Stay with me here, promise. I, I'll, I promise I'll explain. So they wanted to stop guest workers from coming here. They said, well, guest workers shouldn't be able to come here because we won't be able to protect them enough. So they went to Governor Inslee, this is a few weeks ago, uh, requesting he block the H-2A guest worker program in Washington State. It's a federal program. I don't even know if the governor would have the authority technically to do this. But they were asking for that. And this is a game they play because it's as much about the, the public exposure, the media coverage that they get from making requests like these as it is about actually getting what they want. Because they know it's that public pressure, the news reports, the public outcry that they're trying to generate that's really going to get them what they want. And it's working. I'll explain how this is working. So anyway, they make that request to the governor, whether that was ever going to happen or not, who knows, but it got in the news and the governor said, no, basically, well, I don't know if he actually said no, but some, to one degree or another, they were rebuffed on that request. So a week or two later, this was last week, they filed a lawsuit in Skagit court against Washington State, saying Washington State's um, COVID guidelines for farm worker housing aren't enough. They don't protect farm workers enough. They're trying to paint this terrible picture, like farm workers are in terrible, dire straits, totally, horribly vulnerable. I think most of us are right now in one way or the other, really going to the grocery store <laughs> for crying out loud. But anyway, I digress. So they file a lawsuit. And it was interesting to me. By the way, this is The Farming Show. Dylan Honkoop with you here on KGMI. I, I know I'm, I'm going off a little bit this morning, but I've got to get this off my chest today and explain what's going on, because this is a pretty bad situation for farming in Washington, across Washington state. They, in suing the state, again, made it all about the guest workers. And they were asking for things that don't necessarily apply to anybody else as far as protections that anybody else is getting right now from COVID. But they spun the story in such a way that the public is going to think, well, yeah, I mean, don't you want to protect farm workers? Yes. 
Farmers have been doing all kinds of things to protect workers and themselves and anybody they can with this current situation. Are the farm worker advocates, quote unquote, as they like to spin themselves, aka extremist activists, are they going to represent that? No, they're going to, re- they always have to, they, they live and die based on being able to always make the picture for farm workers sound like it's the worst possible thing ever. which it, it gets so hard to believe sometimes. But people fall for this because they don't, they don't know. And so they hear these stories and think, yeah, farmers do need to be taking care of workers. They are taking care of workers. It's so important to them. They need these people to be able to survive. They care about these people. They know it's more important even to give them time off and, and, and make sure that they stay healthy than to have them come to work sick. But we also have to balance that with the fact that there is a lot of work to be. It's, it's the same story for any essential employee right now. God bless the healthcare workers. Those folks know it. And they know they're putting themselves in a ton of risk, but they choose to do that because they know as a society, we desperately need those people. Different story here in this situation, though. Again, lawsuit saying the state, you're not doing enough. So what does the state do? And this is where things really started to get ugly. Middle of the week, the state administration, under the governor's office, of course, are these other organizations in charge of the State Department of Labor and Industries and State Department of Health. I believe they were the ones who were sued or whatever. They had legal action leveled against them from these activists. They came out with new rules. Hmm, What were they going to be? Well, sure enough, they incorporate some key things from these activists. Interestingly, they don't incorporate everything that the activists want. And in fact, the activists are complaining about these rules as well, saying they don't go nearly far enough. But they include some things that the activists wanted that would absolutely devastate this year's crop of apples, cherries, potentially raspberries and blueberries out here in Washington, and a lot of other things. How? One of the main things it comes down to is bunk beds. Sounds super simple, but they're basically saying, and this is what the activists said, and now, surprise, surprise, the state has caved to them and is, is saying the same thing that they are proposing. They forced this on farmers, is that bunk beds aren't allowed for temporary worker housing. Almost all that housing uses bunk beds. And a lot of this housing is quite nice, actually. And they are able to move beds around and put barriers in between them for all the social distancing. But they're saying bunk beds are not allowed. Do the math. It cuts your capacity in half like that. And so this is where it's been very easy to calculate the unbelievable impact this is going to have on the upcoming harvests here in Washington State. Somebody tried to convince me that they can't do that. Well, maybe they can't do that level of math at the governor's office or at L&I or Department of Health. I, I... but you can only house half the number of people. 
That means you can only bring in roughly half the amount of crop. <laughs> These people are essential. So what's going to happen? Now the state is pushing for this. They roll this out. What was it? Thursday? Wednesday or Thursday? I think it was Thursday. Public con This is an emergency rule change. Public comment only goes through Monday. So just, what, two, three business days, two and a half business days to comment on this. And who even knows about this stuff? How would you even know to comment other than we've been, been digging it up and telling you about it here and, and via Save Family Farming, who I work for? And they're set to put these rules into effect less than a week from today, this coming Friday, 1st of May. This is just weeks before literally thousands of temporary seasonal workers are set to show up on farms across Washington state. Half of them are, well, if they're guest workers, I don't know if they'll come here at all or they'll have to be sent home if they're already on their way here or here. And if they're domestic workers, if they're migrant workers, maybe they work in other parts of the country and then come to Washington. Those folks are going to be out jobs. Thousands of workers. No jobs, no place to stay. <laughs> so I don't know how that's good for workers. I mean, yeah, we want to protect people from COVID and let's do the best we can. But should we waste Half of, and we're talking billions of pounds of apples left to rot. Billions and, and million, depending on the crop, other crops here in Washington state. Can't harvest it if you don't have the people to do it. Just not possible. If you don't have the, you, you don't have the housing to bring the people in that need to do the work. You don't have the people to do the work. You can't do the work. You don't have the crop. A lot of farms could very well go out of business because of this. A lot of food get wasted. This could be the last. If this goes on like this, and this takes a bunch of farms out of business, this could be the last big apple harvest in Washington State, and it's cut in half already. But if farms just flat can't make it anymore, <laughs> so much for that. It's scary to think about how far this could go. And this is why, by the way, go to savefamilyfarming.org. We've got info there about how you can send your thoughts on this to the governor's office directly. And you need to do that, please, before the end of the day on Monday. We have a very limited window here to make an impact and let them know this is bad not just for farmers, this is bad for the general public. Food. I mean, we're already worried about our food supply, the food supply chain. And again, this doesn't have to do with supply chain problems. This has to do with politics. And yet politics are going to be here in Washington State. The next big reason why a whole bunch of food gets wasted and we end up relying more on foreign countries to produce our food. Okay, I, the clock says I got to take a timeout. 
I'm trying to keep myself calm on this. I'm trying not to go off on all the rabbit trails. <laughs> Stay with me here. We'll take a quick break for news. We'll be back with more as we continue here on The Farming Show on KGMI News Talk 790. Okay, I'm getting people telling me, okay, Dylan, just pull it together, spit it out. You don't have to go into every detail. This is a bad situation, though, and I guess that's what causes me to get worked up. This could change the face of farming in Washington State forever. And I'm not saying this because I just want to use hyperbole to be alarmist. This is real. And these this temporary rule change that may seem like not a big thing at all when you start to look at real-world consequences and do the real-world math, the, the impact is devastating on farming in Washington State. Welcome back to The Farming Show here on KGMI News Talk 790. Again, I'm Dylan Honkoop. I'm the one who's been going off spouting this morning. Uh, a lot of out of frustration, I will admit, over the ridiculousness of something that, that basically a- extremist activists have forced our state, or, or maybe, I don't know, did they force them? Maybe our state agency directors, maybe our governor uh, is friendly enough with these folks and on the same page politically that, that they did this willingly. I, I don't know. Well, I have a few guesses. I guess we'll leave it at that because I think they might be more friendly to this than we than we want to know. But basically this morning we're talking about a state emergency rule change to temporary farm worker housing to protect workers from COVID, they say, and COVID-19, which we need to be doing. Farmers are doing. We aren't hearing much about it because they're super busy. We hear activists in the meantime who apparently aren't super busy, who have time to be making up all these stories about how horrible things are out there. In fact, we're hearing about them reporting people for stuff and then inspectors coming and finding out that the reports were BS, that there were no violations going on. So that's troubling in and of itself. But this this rule change has to do with farm worker housing. It would make it so bunk beds weren't doable. And, and it makes some other changes as well that essentially cut the amount of temporary housing capacity that we have for agricultural, seasonal agricultural workers in the state in half. What do you think is going to happen to the crops that rely on those essential workers? If they have no housing to be had, what do they? It, people say, well, maybe the farms just need to step up and 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 get more housing that's that's protective of them. How are you going to do that? This is just weeks before a lot of these people are slated to start work. Do you know the process that it takes to well build housing? Okay or rent it or whatever, then you have a whole raft of codes that it has to be up to, then it has to be inspected and licensed to be seasonal temporary farm worker housing. Good luck getting that done right now. All the inspectors are probably self-quarantining. I mean, 
even if you were to start right now, under normal circumstances, that would take months, if not years, to double the amount of housing available. So what's going to happen? Well, we know that if this goes through, and the state has proposed these rules, again, as a result of pressure from activist groups, extremist groups, they, as an emergency rule change, have only given basically two business days to comment on it, yesterday and Monday, and then they plan to put it into effect on this coming Friday, less than a week from now. So you better, and by the way, I've been remiss in not mentioning more often our website, savefamilyfarming.org. That's who I work for now, as I still do the farming show here on KGMI, but my, my day job now is, is working in, in farming advocacy. And we've got a ton of info, background about what all led up to this, what some of the details are at savefamilyfarming.org, including we have uh, ways that you can directly reach out to the governor's office and state officials to tell them, please rethink this and do something different because we do not want to waste literally billions of pounds of Washington produce this year because it can't be harvested. That is literally what we are facing right now based on what uh, this wrongheaded plan that the state has again under the guise of protecting folks from covid but very dubious as far as the actual merits of of the rules would they would they really protect people would it does it even make a difference but again i digress and i should well just need to get in more detail more more background here on the program and keep moving forward with what what's going on here uh, so, Simone Del Rosario, Q13 Fox reporter in Seattle, been covering this issue. Simone, what are you hearing? You know, you even talked with the governor. What did you ask him? What did he tell you? And what are other people saying? Right. I don't think he's been asked. And he has these press conferences every day, pretty much now. On Friday, was talking about construction, getting back up and running. So it was an opportunity to be able to ask him about this battle going on right now between the state, really, and labor advocates about how to properly protect farm workers. And uh, I think maybe he was a little surprised to get the question coming out of his construction press conference, but he did acknowledge that it's something that his office is working on. Obviously, they've been working with the labor advocates and some growers before this lawsuit happened, I think the labor mm-hmm. advocates put the state on notice. And so they'd been working on it. And the labor advocates, uh, these groups, Familias Unidas por la Justicia and United Farm Workers, uh, didn't feel like the state was moving fast enough to provide some emergency guidelines in light of the coronavirus outbreak. And so they went ahead and filed a uh, suit. And so the state's dealing with that now. But the governor basically said, we're struggling and calling for creative solutions in this. Uh, He told me that it's a challenge because, you know, we're coming up with something in a matter of weeks, not years, which obviously is what every industry is facing right now, right? Especially with essential workers or non-essential, you're either not working at all or you're trying to figure out on the fly how you're dealing with social distancing and trying to prevent the spread while still getting a job done. 
So he just said that they're trying to find that right balance, safety, productivity. And he said he was hopeful that he could come up with something. Uh, I think in my question, I mentioned how Safe Family Farming and some other groups have talked about how the guidelines that they did put forward on Thursday, and there's only a few days to comment on them, but the guidelines that they put forward as a draft on Thursday would have the temporary housing essentially because you'd be having the bunks. And so you're taking Mm -hmm. half of your beds away. And when I asked the question, I mentioned how some of these groups, including say family farming has saying that this is going to cut not only the jobs in half, but it's going to cut our harvest in half. And then I talked to a farmer who said, yes, we're, you know, fruit's going to be hanging on the trees. And I mentioned that to him, and I think that he hadn't heard that side of it yet, as far as I knew. I heard back from the governor's office later, kind of clarifying. They wanted to Mm -hmm. know where that was coming from so that they could follow up and kind of get a better idea of how those proposed rules would affect farmers. Now, did you reach out to the farm worker unions? Were you able to hear anything from those folks? No, I'd reached out to them earlier on Friday. Um, Obviously, you know, we all work on deadline. I reached out to both farm groups, didn't hear anything back. Uh, They've put out a substantial number of statements about all of this. They've been talking about it for weeks now. And so for my story for Q13, uh, I ended up using those statements. But no, I didn't I didn't get to hear from them firsthand or be able to ask them questions myself. Q13 Fox reporter Simone Del Rosario with us here on The Farming Show right now. Now, you also talked with a farmer as well in eastern Washington on this issue. What was she saying as far as what this is going to mean for their farm? Well, she said that they employ about a couple hundred seasonal workers that they end up housing. And with the bunks in half, without being able to use the top bunk, you're having your workers and you're having the harvest. And she just basically talked about how, you know, they plan obviously for harvest all year, but when it comes down to it, if you don't have people to pick, there's nothing you can do. And so you're just going to, she said, there's going to be food waste. There's no doubt about that. And so, and I think that's kind of an obvious consequence with the lack of workers as well. Uh, She said, in addition, just having a hard time being able to, do upkeep, be able to do those farming activities, everything that it takes to be able to get that crop healthy and marketable to be able to get to our tables. So she was clearly concerned about it. Um, I think that these accusations can't be coming out of nowhere, right? Um, Obviously, I talked to a farmer who is taking precautions for those workers and says that they're teaching them about social distancing and proper hand washing and they have the soap that they need there. I know that's been an accusation that some other places don't have soap. Um, And I don't think that anybody can safely say that every shop is 100% up to code. But she did point out that if there are shortages in soap, that we're also facing a national shortage. And as essential workers, maybe the state needs to set you know, step up, where's the Department of Health and making sure that essential workers all have protective equipment and proper sanitary equipment 
when we're thinking about something as critical as food security. Yeah, well, from a farming perspective, I, I say, well, you know, if, if it's a matter of, of PPE, uh, if it's a matter of soap and hand sanitizer and things like that, let's get on that. Let's figure that out. I mean, let's make that happen. Let's work together on that issue. That We can't solve that with a lawsuit anyway. It's too time sensitive. Let's get the things to the people that need it. If there are farms that aren't providing proper stuff, that that's a, a place for the state to step in from the farms that we're talking to, we're not hearing that. Uh, we're also hearing of some spurious um, reporting going on. Uh, <laughs> farms being accused of things. When the inspectors show up, they say, uh, no, sorry, actually, um, no problems here. You guys have everything that you're supposed to have. So again, yeah, you're right. If somebody out there, if a farm out there is doing that, let's get it dealt with. But it doesn't have to be dealt with through this process. Then again, the issue that, that has come to the fore now is this housing issue. And that's a little bit more murky because it's an issue of where people sleep and can you keep them far enough apart? I, I want to look at, say, other essential workers out there, which let, let's face it right now with, with the threat of COVID, essential workers are facing more risk than those people who are able to absolutely quarantine at home. And right. whether they're in whatever realm it is, but, okay, you're, if you're an essential worker, you are facing more risk. How far should that go, I think, is the question here. And, and that's what's unclear. If it, if it comes down to the bunk bed issue, there's no real objective, okay, how do we say for sure what's safe and not safe versus whether you have soap or not or whether or not you have you know, access to, to masks. Well, and I think that the proposed rules kind of – hit a nerve on both ends a little because you're talking about housing and then the Department of Health in these proposed rule changes is saying we may be able to approve tents that you can use to expand your housing and that doesn't make the labor advocates happy. They're saying why are we putting people in tents now and when we look at the temporary housing that is set up for workers, you know, we have these big structures, these buildings, they're you know, pretty decent buildings. Yeah. They're not people living in tents. And now the Department of Health is saying that putting them in tents is a good alternative. <laughs> and, and then the labor yeah. advocates are happy, but then also the farmers are like, well, if you're going to say that the housing that we have that's been approved by the federal government for H2A or whatever, if this housing isn't good enough anymore and we want to comply with whatever it takes to keep our workers safe, they're critical to us as well. Are you going to give us room? Are you going to, you know, rent out the hotel down the street for our workers? Is the state going to help us in any way abide by these rules? Or are they just putting the emphasis on us to be able to get it done as farmers? Yeah, some some very, very big questions here. And and ultimately, what is safe, you know, and people in their own private living conditions, you know, I guess usually that's mostly family, but not everyone uh, lives with family. And how far apart are they? And, you know, does the government inspect that? Are these expectations reasonable or not? I think there's some very big uh, questions there. Um, and in some ways it rubs me the wrong way. And I've said this on the program, uh, previously, uh, to be insisting for what are potentially much more stringent protections for one group of people, uh, and, and cause, a you know, either a harvest ending or, uh, or a business ending problem for farms, 
when a lot of the rest of us out in society have a certain level of risk with COVID right now, and we aren't even getting that level of protection. I mean, uh, right, right now, Harborview Hall has uh, bunk beds uh, there where, where they're treating COVID patients or, or potential COVID patients, people waiting for their tests to come back. They're on bunk beds. So, <laughs> I mean, at some point, you got to step back and say, yes, this whole thing sucks, but you know, what is, how far does the responsibility go? What makes the most sense? And, and how do we weigh that against the, the cost of fruit hitting the ground and potentially half of our apple harvest, cherry harvest? How, how many other fruits and veggies could I list over here on the west side? Our berries, you know, raspberries and blueberries, also very labor-intensive crops and, and many others uh, that take a, a lot of these workers who come here temporarily again these rules apply only to temporary housing they do not apply to permanent housing so farms who uh, have and there are many of them who have workers that they provide housing for year round don't have this issue does that is that consistent i, I think there are a, a ton of questions here thank you for covering it though simone del rosario q13 uh, fox in seattle simone can people find this uh, story on on the website they can find this story on the website. I'll be sure to tweet it out, put it on my Facebook as well, at Simone Reports. And the website, of course, if we mention that, is Q13, what is it, Q13fox.com. Simone, thanks uh, so much for being with us, and it's always good to uh, get someone a little bit less emotional about it than I am. Again, urging you to sound off on this issue to your public officials, particularly the governor of this state, Jay Inslee. And there's a phone number and a web form that you can uh, click to to send him a message directly. It's on our website right now, and we've also shared it on our social media channels with Save Family Farming. Can check that out. Save Family Farming on Facebook, Save Family Farming on Twitter, Save Family Farming on Instagram. We're on all of those and at our website, savefamilyfarming.org. So, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I think, did we just mention it there with Simone again uh, as well when we were talking? Yes, um, have only until Monday, end of day, to submit comments on this. So time, the time is now. Don't wait around. Don't procrastinate because the future of farming and particularly the future of this upcoming harvest for so many important crops in Washington State hangs in the balance. This could be a game changer. And for what? To appease some radical political agendas. Is this about truly about protecting people. Let's do everything reasonable that we can to protect people. And I think farmers are already doing that and we can work together. You know, when they filed that lawsuit, it stopped the work to collaborate and improve any protections that anybody could think of a way to improve them for farm workers. That was the reality. So farmers are actually hurt by these activists filing suit and they will also be hurt lose jobs, lose housing, so many things because of this action by our state. Let Governor Jay Inslee know. Okay, I'm out of time. Thank you so much for being with us here on The Farming Show on KGMI.